I mean, I, I guess it's a nice segue also into like talking about the, your Gosu Gamers ventures. Huh? Oh. Um, so it's like, uh, I think I shared with you last week that it is like my go-to <coughs> kind of news website or news portal. I think maybe about 10 years ago or something when I read about like some news oh. stuff. Um, but recently, obviously, there's other news portal that comes up also. You got Esports Insider um, and the bigger, uh, I'm writing bigger US market websites, uh, news media. You know I run Esports Insider, right? Sorry? You know I run Esports Insider, right? Oh, okay. That's something new also. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> so, so we were supposed to host that conference uh, this year. And we didn't get to do it because of COVID. So we are looking at next year to do something. I will announce when the time is right in terms of the details. That's where we bring all the partners and friends into the platform and start to talk about esports and gaming. And that's it. Maybe we might include uh, some elements on the NFT gaming as well. Yeah, so, yeah sorry. sorry. Just to clarify, what do you mean by you run esports insider? So basically, when it comes to Asia Pack, right? We, we, we're supposed to, to run it, uh, helping the guys in the head office to do it. Uh, so we do this together with the Sports Insider. Yeah. So we uh, take Asia Pack, we run, we organize that thing together and we pull everything, everyone together in the community. Does it make sense to you? We are like an event organizer helping them to run it in Asia Pack. Uh, that's about it. Uh, uh. So are there so, like events coming up? <clears throat> Apart from the one that you mentioned. Next year, next year. Uh, next year, we plan to do a few events. We want to do offline. I do one online. Yeah, we, I, think, I think after, after it's enough like, after two years, right? Actually, I, I, I hate Zoom or Microsoft Teams. <laughs> I have been no, in the no, meeting no, for no, non-stop, no. but it's okay, no problem. Since I, I, this is the first time talking to you guys. I rarely do podcast i was invited to do a fair bit many times and this is the first time i somehow i say yes partly because i saw joe i like joe i don't know why <laughs> but really i don't say that yeah, don't know me so much. I do that because i felt but i also felt if i don't do it nobody can listen to the message and how can we grow this industry together and and i realized this industry is very fragmented and all of us need to pull together and grow this together if we don't do it together, this industry will just be fragmented. And Southeast Asia is the most fragmented regions as compared to other regions. And I hate to say this. So yeah. What yeah. What do you mean by fragmented? As in like there are many other um, competitors or like a lot of people just don't like to work with each other? Or? Yeah, it can be a bit of everything. I just feel everyone is competing, not working together. And the mindset of growing this needs a lot of maturity from grassroots to to the government sector. And I just felt everyone don't have the heart or don't or the heart is not at the right place, I felt. People are in for quick money, which I felt if you want to be in esports, hey, you have to do it long term and you have to grow it from grassroots. And if you don't do it, you will very, very hard to be in this space. And it looks very sexy from outside, but the reality is that a lot of people don't understand this space. You'd be surprised. I'm sure you agree with me. You guys both, you are part of this. Anyway, that's just some straight. We can just, otherwise we, we just, just talk and talk and talk non-stop. Yeah, no, I think that's something interesting to get into also because I think, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure both of us combined would not have the same kind of experience that you have, like, honestly speaking. Um, but like in terms of like 
um, looking at the esports industry in Southeast Asia, right? Um, of course, for me also, I also do want to see a sense of like, um, um, hopefully they can achieve the sort of success that 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 um, China or US have. Um, in terms of the potential of Southeast Asia, do you see that we can achieve that sort of level or not? I think I think the there are a few key distinctions I felt. Again, um, you can see it as negative or positive, right? For me, is a lot of people find it very difficult to come to Southeast Asia and grow sports because Southeast Asia is not that big, but you look at it, a lot of countries. And when you go to Vietnam, a lot of them don't speak English. So you cannot expect to do one thing and throw it out to the whole Southeast Asia. A lot of people see Southeast Asia as one country. I see it as long. I see it as a lot of small countries, right? And can you imagine when you do something, you go to Vietnam, you think you can do the same thing. It's totally different. The community mm. is different. The localization, the content, everything is different, right? And if you don't know how to play in those areas, you go in, you get killed. You go to Thailand, it's the same. You go to Indonesia, it's the same. Despite some of them play the same game. But when you run to the business, they are very different. And this is the part, I take it as positive for me because I've been doing business for quite a fair bit. I run around um, in so many countries, including outside Southeast Asia. And, and that's where it's a bit of a barrier for a lot of people to come in. If it's a barrier, it means to me it's an opportunity, right? And you, for example, you just cannot assume that Singapore and Malaysia is the same, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people think that it's the same thing where we do something, we just hope that it flies in both country. It doesn't work that way. Even when you look at the federation, you look at all these associations, they're very different. Even esports association, how many associations you can count? Right? Yeah. You have yeah. Price yeah. association. And that association really you can see how fragmented it is. Everyone trying to say we are the official association. Yeah. We, we are not doing things right now. Again, everyone trying their best. People that run associations sometimes also feel that are they really for the esports or are they run associations that to get business? Yeah. And these are all the questions that we have. But again, I tell myself, sometimes we just do our things. Now. If we want to impact the esports and the gaming people, we just do it within our means. But with people who have the same value and vision, that's why I make a decision to call you and have a chat. I just want to get a sensing where you guys are coming from. Mm-hmm. That you guys do have that passion just by me talking to you. And I felt that passion is not very aligned in the industry, you can see people have different agendas. Again, different industries have different agendas. Everyone has that. You go through that shit where it's not everyone behaves the same. Again, it is the same. But I just felt esports, the professionalism across the whole industry is not there. Like, it's not sad. Again, when it comes to green, uh, I call it greenfield, right? Anything I do with greenfield, uh, it takes a bit of uh, learning for everyone eventually be, before it becomes like a sports industry, right? Then it becomes, to me, then after it's not fun as well, because a lot of regulation, everyone trying to control everyone. Right? So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you talk about the, the number of different associations, right? I think one, one part of it is that a lot of people just want to be the gatekeeper of the esports or gaming industry, um, a self-proclaimed kind of um, um, esports um, president or expert like in that sense. But I mean, frankly speaking, we are only like what, 10, 10, 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. nowhere. Other sports is also 100 years in the making before they establish themselves of uh, regulators, right? Uh, 
so so I, I, I suppose that's we we can do our part like, as you said like, we do our part in, in trying to build the esports industry there are definitely some actors who come in to you know seeing this as like a, a cash cash kind of um, 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 industry where they just want to make a quick buck and then they they leave things like that uh, so now I, I suppose that is also a nice way in that one of the elements of like having or establishing a good esports kind of industry is to have a well-organized uh, teams across uh, the regions here. Um, I, I noticed that you are an investor and partner of Team Flash. Are you able to speak a bit about that? Yeah, of course. I was the co-founder of that company. In fact, we started that. And, and I started it because I will always remember my sister lived in Puchong, Puchong Heights, mm. right? Okay. Many, many years ago, I went back. I saw my nephew sitting there playing Dota 2 together with my brother-in-law. Mm. And and then when I went back, I said to my sister, why are you guys all playing games? Even though, <laughs> even though it's fun. Uh. Then I I, uh, I I got an aha moment. You look at the TV, it was never on. Right? When the TV was never on, what it tells you something that the, the traditional TV is gay. Right? When you talk about media, to me, games is media as well. Right? It's an engagement content. And when you talk about all these things, you can start to see Kids play games. When they switch off the games, they go to Twitch or YouTube, look at people play games. Or influencers talking nonsense. Like. But but after a while you get sucked into it, which I totally get it. Right? Um and even my son comes to me asking me to buy virtual skins. Or people they probably want to become YouTuber. That's another story. Right? Mm-hmm. And like when I see all these things, I saw something that needs to be done on a human level on the alternative path and on giving a chance to the people. But I felt the industry wasn't there. And I said, okay. And I asked a lot of questions. Of course, um, my partner came to me. He's the esports guy who started esports for many years. He came back and said, hey, Samson, uh, why don't we do this together? So I started, I put money in. So I said, okay, let's just start a team. After six months, doesn't work out. Take it as I learned something. So I put quite a fair bit of money. And so we, we started Team Flash and our first gaming house was in Johor. Oh, wow. okay. Limited budget. Want to do, <laughs> it or do it in Johor. La. And the team, the team was a Malaysian team, right? Mm. Uh, I always remember Dev Sama. You know Dev Sama, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Dev Sama was inside. Then you have... Uh, so they lost. I lost the. the it's been a few years. Uh. Many years ago. So we started at Dota, and I always remember we always get second place one. Uh, always oh, lose okay. to give. Always lose to give I said bloody shit, <laughs> right? And, and at the time, but it was fun. And I still remember. I I went to an operator. With my access, right? For me to open doors is very easy. I went into the operator. I don't want to tell you which operator. Went in, I said, hey, friend. Uh, my friend was quite high about it. Uh, can you help me? I want to see whether this model works or not. Esports, everyone talk about it. Went in, doing a presentation. I said, can you just prove to me that this concept works? Don't give me a lot of money. I just want to prove a concept, right? Give me an amount or anything. I just to close the deal and say that it works. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I give you the traffic. I didn't get it. Mm. And I went to so many people, I said, you guys believe in this? Yeah, we believe in this. 
then why are you not doing anything about it, right? We want to support the community, but a lot of people are not willing because they felt the professionalism is not there. But I understand, right? I understand the struggle of esports because you'd be surprised they don't even have contracts. Mm. They don't understand terms. Uh, right? You guys understand now. Uh, you guys come to me. That, that is definitely a topic we've spoken quite a bit about uh, as well in terms of uh, contracts, the, the way that they are employees, independent contractor, and all that kind of basis. And, and we, we've, we've spoken about this at length as well. And I think we, we, re- we, we understand that this is definitely, it doesn't help with the professionalism. It doesn't help with uh, recognizing it as a career path. It doesn't help with recognizing it as an option for many people. It, the way that it is being sold is as if, uh, you know, hey, it's a one-off thing. You make it, you make it, you don't make it, you know. That, well, nobody cut losses and we move. Uh, and I definitely agree. And I agree, that's definitely a problem. And uh, as, as on a personal level, you know, that is definitely one of the areas that uh, where I'm trying to look into as much as possible. Uh, uh, you know, by profession, I'm, I'm currently an employment lawyer, and this has been kind of the one little nagging thing always at the back of my mind, trying to understand and to study the concept between uh, this distinction and why esports is having, at least in our region especially, is having the challenge to bridge that gap uh, between, you know, freelance to contractors to just players to uh, other teams uh, recognizing them as proper employees and, and giving them that due recognition uh, for them to play the game uh, i i can talk very long just on this topic but nevertheless just one word is professionalism right it's also people who once is for back then they don't have experience they don't come from mnc they don't come from setup proper setup that world is very different right so when, when I came in, I saw that. So I said, there are a lot of things to be fixed, right? But throughout the journey, it was difficult because it was sexy from outside. Inside, it was difficult. And building the team, uh, training them, giving them a proper place. So we stayed in uh, in Horizon, Johor, right? Give them a nice place. Mm-hmm. We found an auntie who can cook for them proper food. We even in, in, uh, inculcate a, a regime where we have a gene. So we do all these things. We try to professionalize the thing. But along the way, I realized there are a few things that I did right. I said, I need to bring in the sports people. I saw that from the beginning. So we, we brought in sports people. Right? So now they, they are still my partners. They were the first investors that came in. Along the way, I wanted to give up as well. As I was saying, this one doesn't work out. Me. Sports is hard. I can make a lot more money out of there. And then we got a deal. We got a deal from Nemo. Um, belongs to the same group as we are. That deal was quite big. Many years ago, you get a deal that's almost 400,000 or 400,000. That was like, oh, this business works. Like, mm-hmm. Got money. Like. So sponsorship cannot make it. Uh, takes streaming deal. Right? Yeah. yeah. That, that was for Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm not telling you in sequence. I'm just jumping from key points and then I realized it works and and then as I move along you begin to love those people a bit because after a while you start to see them as like your family or your son right and when you see them like that you see different things lot. you just get a sense of responsibility to take care of them actually and if you come to esports expect to make money especially taking care of teams aspect right I think I think you're in for a ride well, you be yeah, and, yeah. But the reality is sometimes it's more than that. Again, I, I uh, the benefits of owning a team is really more than that. Where 
it opens doors as well for you to do a lot more things. And and I always tell everyone, if you want to own a football team, you can't afford to own an esports team, right? But but the reality is, esports team does does give you that. It was a big learning curve for me, even for me at my age, who has done so many businesses, who help company, fix company, help company to scale. Despite for that, for me, I felt it was difficult because of the fragmentation. Everyone trying to chew everyone. And, yeah. But but within the founders, I'm grateful for care. I'm grateful for Iron and all these all these found, founders. Even though we compete from mm. out, at the back, we support each other. Mm-hmm. Without, without, without their support, bro, I wouldn't be where I am. So I, I'm glad for them as well. Yeah, and I and I noticed also based on at least from the websites here, the you guys have a lot of teams, but there's one team that I'm not seeing, which is Dota team, which is what I'm quite sad about actually. But I can understand also like how expensive it is, right? Actually, to to uh, to own a Dota okay, team. Okay, this is a lesson where we used to own Dota. I realized Dota either you play the TI level or you don't play. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah, that's very true. Okay, That's you play true. the lower level, you are just doing charity. Correct, 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 correct. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a very expensive kind of... Well, the play TI level, yeah. if you have to pay a few thousand minimum USD per person, excluding all these things. Yeah, correct, okay. correct. If you don't have <clears throat> 600 to a million bucks USD, ringgit is what, 4 million, bro? Yeah, yeah. Can I break even? I can. Uh, do I want to pay one million in for a team? So again, your business model needs to be right. I'm not mm-hmm. saying owning a team is not right. Owning a team depends on your business model. You might be able to use it. To, that's why you. I, that's why I decided many years ago. I'm very intentionally to build an ecosystem. Ecosystem of supporting every pillars. When you have that ecosystem, you are able to do a lot of things where. Some are long-term, some are mid-term, some are short-term. So you need all these mid-term, short-term, long-term order to support each other so that you can constantly go the ecosystem together. You, you, does it make sense to you? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it does. In terms of, at least in Malaysia and Singapore, uh, which where we are currently residing, right? Um, yeah, so I just mentioned that, you know, Dota is extremely expensive, right? And then you want to build that ecosystem. Uh, we noticed that kind of trend where um, over here, mobile gaming is the huge thing here. Um, so, like in your experience, have you whether you can see that mobile gaming actually alone can actually sustain the ecosystem or bring up the esports industry <coughs> in Southeast Asia? Um, before I bought Gosu Gamers, as I was evaluating the company or that assets, the first thing I did was I said we need mobile content. Okay. Simply because the behavior of gamers or esports people have shifted. How much time do you spend on looking at your desktop? Unless you want to play your desktop games, right? Or unless you make out the watch movie. But if you want traffic, you have to go to... The accessibility is so key. That's the reason when we first started Dota, we said we need to have a mobile title. Because at the end of the day, it's a traffic play. You want to do traffic thing, you need to have mobile stuff. So, for example, I give you some stats, right? Coso gamers, I say I need to move to mobile. Of course, there are some legacy people who tells you we are desktop, all our games are desktop. 
I said, yeah. if you don't build the mobile titles, I really knew all the AAA studios are shifting investment to mobile mm -hmm. titles. Mm -hmm. If they are shifting to mobile titles, it means that everyone is looking at the trend. And that's the reason why we came out, right? It was mm -hmm. a, yep. such a long discussion that needed a leap for mobile. We waited for so many years. And, and when I look at the numbers, Gosu Gamers, as we go along, you can see the users that uses your property or your assets are all mobile people, right? And, and you want people to be entertained, you want people to engage with your platform, it has to be mobile. If it's not mobile, very difficult. I, I, I foresee, right now it's really 60-40, right? The behavior of people. In Gozo Gamers, it's really 70-30. Mm. And I can tell you, within the next few years, it's going to be 90 then. <clears throat> due to accessibility, yeah. Accessibility, also the all the big titles, you see they're moving to yeah. mobile. Yeah. They were, I, I, I remember they said they wanted to launch relevant mobile, right? And yeah, everything is mobile. So if you don't move to mobile, how? So Southeast Asia predominantly is mobile because if you go to those big countries like Indonesia, you think everyone can afford a PC gaming desktop? No. Yep. Mm. And why Mobile Legends did very well instead of AOE? Because Mobile Legends don't need a high-end mobile. Mm, mm. And people can play, right? When people can play, a lot of people can access. That's where you get traffic. You get people wants to be a part of that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you want people to use iPhone 13 to play a bloody game, or PS5, right? To, to to play a game, it's very difficult to be mass market, right? You want, mass market, you want yeah, the yeah. kampung area to play your games like, <laughs> you, you, you have to go to mobile. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, which it's is, common sense, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, something uh, that uh, Weijian uh, and I have um, um, discussed and agreed upon also. And yeah. the, the stat shows. Yeah. And if you spoke and length on this, and, and like you mentioned, you know, you're right on the dot again, because you're, you're because of the business acumen, you know, uh, things like Pokemon Unite uh, launched in uh, launched on uh, on the Switch, and now it's accessible to everybody to play on the phone. Uh, and more and more of these kind of uh, brands, more and more of these kind of titles are coming up. You talk about League of Legends, you have the TFT, the Team Fight Tactics, one of the newer kind of sub games that is also has a as its own mobile version of the game. Uh, auto chess versions and all these kind of things. The variations of the games that are being moved onto mobile is 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 growing exponentially in the, in the past few years, and it's only going to grow more and more with uh, newer and newer games, or even older games being readapted to mm. to mobile, just so that more people, as you mentioned, more people, more traffic into it. Uh, it's all it's all the people, the community, and and we cannot just think of hardcore gamers. The biggest problem with esports is. People who play games for very long, they are all hardcore gamers. If you want to run a business, you have to be very conscious where you don't just look at one segment. You need to go across the funnel from casual gamers to mid hardcore or hardcore or, or, or if I play Dota, I hate League, that kind of thing. So you need to keep mm -hmm. all kinds of community. And don't forget this, right? The big part of it is casual gamers. Everyone go through that route of being casual gamers before you go to hardcore. If you just focus on hardcore, you'll miss out a lot. And that's also the reason why I find Mobile Legends easy to reach because it's quite easy to pick it up. It's fast. 
And you imagine now if you ask someone to play Dota, bro, how do you spend the hours to learn Dota? You can't. You ask me to learn Dota now. When I try, I was trying to learn, I was taking so much time, right? And and you just want to go. I I just want to play to chill. So my behavior playing yeah, games, because yeah. I correct. want to chill. So I play COD. I play Pokemon Unite recently. I just want to go in very fast, 10 minutes learn, play. I got no yep. time to learn the mechanics, the meta, all the heroes. It becomes so technical. That is yeah, for yeah. hardcore yeah, gamers, yeah. bro. Correct, correct, correct. You want to do business, you go to across segments. Don't focus on one segment. You kill yourself. Yeah, that's... A lot of people agree with you. That's why they are not so successful, okay? Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. Sorry, Vijay, you got something? <clears throat> yeah, actually, I've got a question for you, uh, Samson. You know, we talked about how... It, you know, the market is that as such. How uh, important is it, uh, in your opinion, for the main developers to have a more active role in it? So I'm talking for such as like Riot, for Moontone, you know, when they generate those kind of uh, events and activities, you see more of those in, uh, realistically, you do see more of those in mobile games more often than in uh, the PC games. If, I think you agree, like PC games have certain events, but they're only for like very special, unique events. But if, if you see even in a League of Legends through the Garena system here, they always have a lot more events. Like every other week, there's a new event, there's a new thing. And how important is it for developers to have that hand in this in order to generate this mobile uh, mobile C, mobile esports scene? I think at the end of the day, they are the one with all the money. Right? Mm-hmm. We work with Riot, we work with Montum, we are the media partner. So we do, uh, we speak with them. Sometimes we go for meetings. We, we, we chat a fair bit, right? And everyone knows that's why they are all pushing for mobile. Even Wild Rift, right? I think they launched with Southeast Asia first before it moved yep, on. Absolutely, yep. correct. That's right. That's right. And, and we become a test bit for them. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that model works so that they know let's start with one region first, test it out. But you cannot run away with tests really. But again, you can see all the events in Southeast Asia that are on mobile predominantly. Very rare you see that stock. Simply because we are a mobile um, segment community in Southeast Asia. But you go to Europe and you go to US, desktop is still quite a fairly large number. Even though it's going down, but the number is still fairly large. I can't remember the number. What is the exact percentage? But I feel it's still fairly large, even though year on year it's going down. And you can see, because in Ghost of Gamers, we talk about data, we talk about media broadcasts. We, we, we do have data. So Dota and CSGO, sometimes you can see live matches. We have all the data published in Gozo Gamers because we are connected to the developers as well. So they broadcast certain stats. And you can see the numbers for all these desktop. They are going down, man. Really, they are going down. And, and if they don't switch, and if they don't start to... You see, when you talk about games, at the end of the day, eSports is just a marketing platform for them. To build the community, right? It's an engagement platform. And if you put billions of dollars in the mobile titles, um, you need right, put millions, not billions. You put millions of dollars into the mobile titles. You need to spend a fair bit on the whole ecosystem. That's what all the big titles are doing now. You look at the Montoon, you look at the Riots, right? You have no choice. You look at uh, uh, all these games, they have no choice. They will move to mobile. Do you think that eventually there'll be a switch in in Europe and US in that more people will be using mobile instead of PC? You mean in US and Europe? Correct, correct. The trend is really happening already. 
I'm wow. not able to give a number because I don't remember, but I really, I've been keeping track of the tracks of the numbers because when we do media publishing, we have to look at all these GA, right? Yeah. Numbers. The trend is definitely mobile is going Oh, up. wow. Okay. That's why they're launching all these mobile titles really while we've been different regions and all this. They have no choice. They have to do it. Really no choice. That's why my game studio, uh, uh, even the incubator, we have been focusing a lot on mobile. And, and when you look at the, all the games, social games, or other games that come out with, they are all on mobile. Of course, you still have PC and all this, but predominantly it's still mobile. Yeah, correct. Which is actually something that I want to speak about. So that your cargo studio, uh, right? So, uh, something that you co-founded. Um, it's honestly extremely interesting um, um, side of uh, um, investment or business or incubator. Oh. that you are entering because like um, the life cycle of creating a game itself I think it's in my opinion I think it's quite tough and that a lot of money and cost to be spent before even knowing whether anybody will actually play your game right so yeah so so just want to know like your insights on like um, the, the how Cargo Studios form and, and what's your intentions behind it I think I think the first thing was um all other businesses, you see all these people longing for to have a path, sustainable path in game development, right? And when we see a big bunch of them, you can see all the schools now give game design, game development courses, really. And there are thousands of people graduating. And But yet you still hear people say that, hey, there isn't enough jobs for them. Mm-hmm. Right? And of course, this is one point. So whenever we have uh, internship opens or public, you see people are screaming for help. And people who build good games, they are being rejected. They don't have enough funds. Mm, mm. And then you realize a lot of those engineers or developers, they are product people. The school trains you to be either a factory workers or a product person. Rarely school teach you how to become a business person or entrepreneurs. But you are able to build a game doesn't mean that you can run the business, right? And with our access, with our team, with our HR, finance, corporate structure, um, with our access to funds, investors, all these things with our publishers, with the esports team. So I do know a fair bit of esports and gaming. So because of that, and looking at all the problems that all the people face, the public, even the students and a lot of students that graduated from these games who a lot of times they couldn't find job what they do they go to a bank uh, go to fintech they use their skill to develop apps and all this and not developing games mm-hmm. but deep down they want to develop games yeah. and develop games is very much like uh, producing a movie you produce 10 movies maybe you get one movie that is jackpot but you need to see through 10 movies or when you run a startup, or when you invest in a startup, a VC will tell you, I, invest in, I invested in 10, maybe one will make it, two maybe break even, or make it a bit, but there will be one jackpot. Right? Mm. Seven fails. When, when the rest seven fails, but you need to see through that tens, right, for you to get that reward or risk. Same goes with game development. So when we saw all this, we realized we can help them to cut short their yeah, learning curve. How do you do that, right? We get all the mentors, the stakeholders from various uh, partners come together. 
bring the community together. We work with schools, we work with government. Um, let's help them. If this thing comes in, they have A, B, C, but they don't have D, E, F, we will give them D, E, F. If this thing comes in and say they only have F, G, H, the rest I don't have, I will help you with the rest. Provided you are the right type of group or you have the right type of idea or you know how to build games, but you need a lot of help in different areas, then we will help you. So for example, season one, we have six or seven teams that came in. We only selected one actually for season wow. one. Because we need to make sure that we have the right type of people that build this, they are hungry and they really want to build games and they have that value. And we look into all these factors and then we put them through six months working with us and then we will launch our games together. Sometimes that might extend to nine months, but we'll give them whatever help that we can. Mm. We even give them allowance. So at the end of the day, for me, it's just a platform to support them. Of course, at the end of the day, there will be some corporate structure that we look into. That we might do a JV, we might do a revenue share or a share of IP. So by doing this, I get to build 10 to 20 games a year. Right? Mm, mm. I have that economy of scale to build it. I have a damn good, we have quite a big setup of development team. I can even land those resources for you to you to for you to build your games. Along the way, we get to mentor them, coach them, teach them what it means. So we also bring in instructors, mentors, coaches in to grow them as well. Mm. Change mindset is like a whole education platform. It's really a, a community of immersive. Even we brought in people who specializes in audio, how they beat games, put in the right audio. We gave them a master class, a workshop. We brought in teachers from the schools that gave them what, is, what it means to fail, what it means to try, what it means to innovate, like all these things. And I always remember some of the teachers, after a while, we come in and talk to those graduates, right? Or the interns. What do you learn after school? You say a lot of stuff that we learn. Uh, by working in this platform, they don't get it in school. Mm, mm, mm. In school, three to four years is not sufficient to teach you the end to end to build the games. It's very difficult. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly find this super amazing because I've not really seen this uh, sort of incubator. Um, so we've seen Maybe all the incubators. Sorry? I remember Malaysia, uh, they used to have an incubator. You mean M under MDEC? Under MDEC or I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Under I, I mean not as not as uh, extensive and as supporting as yours I would believe. Oh, but I don't but, know what happened to that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, right. That's the that's the problem. We don't know what happened to that. Like we see a lot of incubators maybe for like fintech, maybe for like um uh, all the startup stuff, right? But what you're doing is specifically for game development, you know, which is I, I think is like super amazing. Um, so how so I, I, I saw the program and everything. So you mentioned season one. So now it's season two, is it? Uh, now it's now we have uh we are pushing out six IPs uh, season right. two. Right. We even have physical and board games as well. So we do that. Mm. So ah, we are, okay. We are conceptualizing quite a fair bit of stuff. And let's see how it goes. We should be able to see all this content out by next year, Q1. And I already saw some of the mechanics, the art, the mock-up and all this. It looks pretty good. I'm extremely excited. Most importantly, and those guys that is in the incubator right now, 
Yeah. They're extremely, extremely hungry, man. I say let's let's just give it a shot. And let's let's give it a shot. And if we make it, make it. If it doesn't make it, let's find a way to, to yeah. see. Of course, there there is some there is a there is something that we put in before we start the game development. We do have market research. We pay a lot of money to to reports like Sensor Tower. Right? It's mm-hmm. very very expensive. <laughs> if it's an indie studio, how are you going to pay that kind of money, right? It's hundred over thousand ringgit, right? Okay. And wow. just get a report. So those report tells you what games are trending, mm. uh, what yep. is making money. So you need to do your job. You don't build something that's not trending. Nobody wants to play. Or you need to look at the community. You need to look at all aspects of the game, the monetization, the model, and all this. Look at our games. Which game has a lot of people downloading, buying, and all these things. So once we know that, at least when you build something, you really have. It helps you with your decision making. A game is not guaranteed, but it gives you a bit of visibility knowing that hey, some some of the competitors already launched this. Maybe we can differentiate a bit. At least it's proven that it's not so alien, you know. Mm, correct, correct. So it minimizes the, the give you better chance of success, lah. But again, yeah. when it comes to business, there's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah. But well, well, there's some insane support, lah. Honestly. I don't think anywhere else. I think you know, support is just money, uh, money and having the right team to support them, right mentors. Most I, I think uh, it's a hard lah, bro. Hard. <laughs> I, I think what you have just described is what you you are you are aspiring for it to be for the whole uh, community here. You know, an ecosystem that supports one another both inside and out. And you know what you're doing there is actually a really amazing and providing that space. You know. Uh, as you mentioned, it's all about the heart, and if the heart's not right in the right place, uh, it's not going to work as well. Uh. Yeah. So, you know, it's really amazing what you're doing there. Because esports has to be long term. If you're not prepared for the yep. long term game, you don't be in this industry because this industry is still evolving. Uh, it's very difficult to monetize in esports and gaming. It's very difficult, but but at least it's interesting. Uh, it's sexy. Yeah, yeah. You yep. go to those companies, you 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 wouldn't be able to raise that kind of money, because when you talk to the next generation, other than games, I don't know what else. But now we crypto lah, right? Other than games, crypto for the millennial entertainments, I don't know what else, man. I really mm-hmm. what else? Nothing. There's 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 the upcoming trend right now is the NFT games lah. But it's still it's still games. Yeah, correct, correct. Right? Yeah. It's still. Yeah. It's still games. Even you go to Shopee and all this e-commerce, it's also games. They gamify it. They ask you to pay right. with coins. Yeah, exactly. The Zada has the games where you keep getting the coins as well. Yeah, the, and inside that has like 10 different, 15 different games for you to play. I fall into their traps as well. <laughs> Myself. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I saw this trend even when I first started playing games it was in the 80s, right? It was mm. black and white. And I really think that game is 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 a crazy medium and it's really a crazy engagement platform. The new media, do you think? It's new not a new media. Of... I grew up with games. Do you think I mean like new new dominant media? I I started playing Atari. I started playing all this Karateka, well, a black and white one there, bro. Using <laughs> in I still remember in 1986. I was really coding in 1986 when I was standard four. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and 
and that time I was so addicted. And when you were so addicted, you really knew that once it, it once it becomes part of your blood, it's very hard to leave you. Mm, mm. You can see the trend coming, lah. Actually. Yeah, but but again, I never thought that games can be a, a culture lah, instead of a hobby. Right? Yeah. Never crossed my mind. Thanks to and, Yeah, and we are only like. 10, 20, 20 years, I think, as properly established kind of esports kind of um, competition industry. So yeah. it's like we got a long way to go yeah. and improve so much. Um, I've got nothing else. Uh, Weijian, you got anything? No, it's been great. Uh, hearing your passion, hearing your heart about this, this whole it's not even this project, it's a whole industry in itself. So uh, thank you so much for speaking uh, to us uh, with it. Yeah, too. I think I think if I have a message for everyone that's listening to this is we need to pull together from government. We work with the government as well. We work with the federation um, to schools. Yeah, we are working with schools as well. And the every aspect or channels we need to pull together. If we don't pull together, we will still be talking about the same thing in the next five years. Mm. And the money will just at the end, the one that take up all everything is really about the the game development guys. Yeah, yeah. So I I have also just one last thought. I mean, as you mentioned that right, um, uh, I think two years ago, our in Malaysia lah, our former minister of youth and sports, Syed Sadia, not sure you know, he also he also as, um announced a five year e-sports plan, and that was like two three years ago. And I attended that uh, that conference lah, and I saw him speak and everything, and he announced his share, his vision. And now two, three years later, where we we're nowhere close to like even implementing any of the plans, you know, that's been made out. So it's like it's so that that is what actually I see is so disheartening actually, uh, where the government has made some sort of commitment, but it's all just uh, just words in the sense. It's like it's it's nothing in progress, nothing is being implemented lah. So, again, uh, yeah. again, I attended the parliament session before in Malaysia. Okay. And of course, that was talking about something else. But when, when you talk about the mindset, um, first of all, the government doesn't even last more than three years, right? Uh, uh, if it now, does, now. It <laughs> doesn't matter, right? They say five years. You put a five-year vision there. First year is about getting everyone in place, put the cabinet together. They start to work maybe on the second year. Second, third, fourth. Third year, maybe start to talk about the next election. Maybe. Right? And that is also the reason why, if I were to tell you, I foresee the decentralization of the whole era. Um, when you guys are free, go and Google Air Era. Okay? The Air Era started in 2020, basically, basically the trend is decentralization of leadership, decentralization of currency, decentralization of assets, decentralization of entertainment platforms. What it means is, look at the trend of blockchain, currency, government, entertainment, anything that's centralized, Sports venue, it won't be long. Everything is decentralized now. Virtual world, leadership, how you build your team, no longer must be everyone in the office. 
I have a team in Romania, I have a team in Germany, I have people everywhere. But we are still running. Decentralization of real estate. Decentralized leadership. Your managers don't need to be next to you. Okay? And that decentralization is really happening for quite a while, but now. And so when you think about that, right, from that angle, from that perspective, you will see that why certain things are not doing well. And I always believe the governance and the government needs to be decentralized. It's already decentralizing. That is why government cannot hold very long. It's very difficult. Oh, I'm just referring to Malaysia. Lah. And, but I don't say too much about government. Also, lah. But then we just do our part. Lah, right? We do yeah, our correct. part. And we didn't, if we can impact one guy in front of us, we impact lah. If we can impact 10 guys, 10 guys, um, there's nothing much you can do. And impact within your means. And if you can within your means, impact 10 people, 100 people, start with that. Lah. I, I started impacting the generation or the esports people by having five players. Okay. Start with that, lah. then later add on. You start to make money, build a bigger group. Okay. Just build from that. Lah.